0: For listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network, it's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, you're you're uh, you seem chipper today. I don't know why. I just maybe it was the dancing. I don't know, but uh, you seem chipper today.
1: Well, thank you. I I feel a little chipper. I got a big smile on my face. I'm bouncing in my chair right now, doing some dancing. And you know, <laughs> you know what I remember. I remember when you just said that. I remember watching my girls dance. Uh, You know, growing up, (laughs) they were dancers. I I just came back uh, from watching my my daughter dance at the UNLV basketball game, and Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I'm you know to this day, I'm so proud. I'm I'm that proud dad watching my my girl dance. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's so much fun watching your kids do these things, you know, like I've been, you know, like doing basically the, you know, whatever the season is, there's a different sport. So we did uh, cross country, which I've talked about on the, on the show here before we did that in the, uh, at the beginning of the school year. And then over the winter we did soccer, which not a good idea. Soccer in the winter, come on, (laughs) it's raining. This is not cool. Uh, And then uh, now, now we're doing track. Uh, so I actually envy you because you got to sit in one place to watch all of this stuff. Like I've got to be moving around all the time. I'm outdoors. I'm in the rain. Like most of the stuff that you watched was like in a theater, right? <laughs>
1: they were. Yeah, they yeah. were in the theater. They were dry. Um, oh, man. I, I have to, I, okay. So I love watching my girls dance, right? Let me get that out of the way. I love okay. watching okay. my girls dance and competitions <laughs> and exhibitions and all of this it's all the hundreds of dances that I watch in between that oh, aren't my yeah. daughters that tend to drag you down a little mm-hmm. bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you know, you're watching these kids dance and they're, they're putting their heart out there and you just pull for them. And uh, it's, it is, it is really fun. It, it, and, and there's no elements <laughs> that are getting in the way, right. no rain, no <laughs> thunderstorms. Yeah. That, that is a benefit of watching dance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the same thing with track that you're saying. And again, you know, I'm going to repeat the same thing, you know, love watching. Like it's, it's so exciting, but the thing is some of these races and, and, you know, he's like, you know, in these, in some of these short things, he's in some of the long distance stuff, but like some of the races, they're like 45 seconds. So Uh (laughs) you're waiting for two hours for this
1: 45 second race. And then, Oh, okay. Now I'm going to sit around for a while. Well, what or, was it like for you? Because it's a little different for me. Obviously, I didn't coach my daughters in dance, even though I, I do a pretty good job dancing for this show. That's true. You you should have been a coach. For that. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah, a trained yeah, dance yeah. coach, so <laughs> I've never had to coach my my daughters. Uh, what is it like coaching your son in little league? Well, you know, so I
0: did little league and I did uh, soccer, and um, you know, it's it's really like. <laughs> it, it's interesting because I thought, you know, I'm going to go do this so I could spend a lot of time with my my son. You, you actually end up spending so much time with the other kids or whomever the kind of problem kid is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who you are if you're listening to the show, kid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that kid's listening to my show. Uh, but, you know, like there was all these issues that I had to deal with, with, with coaching that made it difficult because like I went in, you know, I mean, okay, basically like my business. You know, I sold that business because I wanted to be around the kids on the weekend and and do things like coach soccer and and coach baseball and and things like that. And I quickly realized, like, what the heck am I thinking here? Because it's rough. It's it's not easy to uh, uh, to to do that, and you don't get to spend a whole lot of time with your actual like kid because you've got ten other kids on the team. That are, you know, like pulling in your attention. So it actually, it, it it was a different thing when I went in versus when I went out. And I, <laughs> like, like,
1: looking the forward to it, I had, had one expectation and then, yeah, it, yeah
0: and then I came out and I was like, oh, that was completely off. And, and you know, that's a great segue to like what we're going to talk about today, because It was sort of that way in business as well. You know, I had this expectation for running my business that I'm going to set my own schedule and, you know, I'm going to get my own time off, uh, you know, make my own hours, as they say, right? Well, then, you know, I started running my business and I realized, well, no, my customers make my time schedule, basically. So I've got to be around when they want to be around. Like I spent the, you know, last year, about six months or so. Um, helping out various dentists across the country, you know, to optimize their calendars and schedules. And, you know, the problem with that is most people want to go visit the dentist at night. Why? Well, because they're not working, right? Like, I don't want to take off work to go get a cleaning. If I had a convenient time slot in the, you know, in the evening, I would go late afternoon, early morning, whatever it is. And the problem with that is dentists don't want to do that. (laughs) They don't want to work those late nights. They don't want to do those things because it's the customers setting their schedule and they thought well shoot i'm i'm getting into this so that i can make my own schedule and i think a lot of business owners like that's just one industry there and then you know with what i did it was it was tough there's so many industries out there where just you feel like um i don't know you're you're on this hamster wheel at all the times that you're out of control And you know the customers are really the ones that are in control of your time and your schedule. So I, you know, that was one of the other reasons why I sold my business was because I just wanted to make it where I like have vacation time. I have like a separation between you know work life and home life. You know, so I don't know. I think there's a lot of people out there uh, they're looking for that balance. Feel a little
1: trapped. Yeah, they're they're looking for that balance. We have somebody to help us today.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Now, usually at this point of the show, we introduce somebody and we say, you know, here's their title, here's their company. But uh, Matt, y- y- you've got a lot of companies. Uh, <laughs> you're doing a lot. Uh, speaking of work-life balance, geez, you-, you're- you must be working all the time, but you've got three different companies, three different titles. So Matt Matt Blayton, I'll let you kind of describe what you do and-, and and tell us about your various companies.
2: Thanks, Russ. <clears throat> yeah, so we've got, um, it sounds like a lot, but when you're a startup phase, it seems like a lot as well. Um, so in this, this place right now, we've got one company that is just mine. It's a consulting group where we help uh, leadership teams and companies really grow and scale, uh, not only to exit, but just be ready for anything, to be able to exit their company or to be able to hand it off in a succession plan. We also have uh, another company where it's a coaching firm We do much the same, but we work with a little bit larger companies. We have some different product offerings. And then we've got another business that we're focused uh, primarily on teaching companies how to work with AI inside their business and become more efficient.
1: Nice. I like that. That's a hot topic right now.
0: Very much so.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like the common thread is a lot of education, right? You're teaching a lot of business owners, managers, managers on you know how to optimize what they're doing with their company and I'm just curious from you know when you're trying to analyze where you can help what are some of the common questions you ask them to identify like where you're going to be able to impact their business most
2: yeah i mean we look at it we look at really seven systems so we've got culture uh, marketing and sales we've got talent strategy execution cash and processes So those are really the seven um, domains that we look at. So when we come into a company, we're doing a lot of assessing. We're doing an organizational health checkup inside those seven domains. And so we're asking questions about how they like to communicate. What's their cash cycle look like? How much cash do they have on hand? Is it 30 days, three years, or is it, I don't know, and we're not even sure if we're going to stay in business right now. So we had lots, lots of, lots of questions um, in regards to those things.
1: Yeah. The, I don't know answer. I think immediately I would go, okay, we need to build some processes here. So you have that at the tip of your fingers. Uh, Russ and I are big on processes and, and, you know, automating things and making sure that you know where your money is going, you know, what's bringing in money um, it's so important that the business owner really has a good handle on what's going on in their business. Otherwise they don't know what they're fixing. They're just putting out fires every day.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. We look at this, um, you know, as the trifecta of insanity, so to speak. So if you get married, there's one, number two, you have kids. And then number three, you get a business going. That's a lot. That's a lot on one person to own, to manage, to have everything working correctly and healthy. You know, to have that time, as you were mentioning, Russ, about being with your kids and being able to coach. And then also simultaneously making sure that the business is performing well enough to kick off enough cash to cover your expenses. And hopefully there's enough left for some level of contribution to retirement. Mm -hmm. And then your spouse. You know, you got into this thing with this person and over a couple of years, a few years, 10 years down the road, you're looking at them and you're like, man, somewhere we kind of got disconnected and we're two ships passing the night because we're raising kids and I'm doing business stuff. And so it becomes a lot on that business owner. And so for us, that's what we look at and say, all right, well, how do we look at all these areas at the same time and figure out how we can help all of those ships rise?
0: Yeah, because that—that's exactly. I mean, it—it it felt like like okay. So you know, for me, um, and now this is going to turn into a counseling session, Matt. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> for me, I was like, you know, living. So we 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 moved a little bit further out of the Bay Area uh, as I was running my business, and as we had um, our uh, well, actually, as we got married too. So we got married. I'm still running my business uh, at the time, and then. Um, First of all, I remember being excited for taking a couple of weeks off for the honeymoon because it was my first vacation in a really long time. (laughs) So I was really excited about that. And then, but I did get internet, like we did a cruise and uh, I got internet on the ship so that I could check my email every day. So I didn't actually walk away from the business completely, but at least I got a little break. And then it was, you know, because I was working weekends and because I was gone on the evenings, I mean, I felt like there were so many moments that I missed out on. You know, like just as my, my daughter was, was really little and I just, at some point just felt like, you know, this is, this is just like not great. Now I was able to sell the business and fortunately, you know, that gets to go to the college uh, fund for, you know, maybe, maybe get one class at this point for them, but I (laughs) was able to sell the business and walk away from it. And it was great but not many people have that option and maybe that's not going to be the option that they actually want to do. So when somebody's in that situation where, you know, there's, there's, there's the, the, the spouse and the kids and all of these other things that, you know, you want to spend time with, um, how do you, how do you advise those companies so that they can actually stay afloat and keep, keep rolling and keep their mindset actually in building that company too.
2: Yeah. It's so much more than just the company. And I think that's what separates, um, some of what we do from what others might do, but we have to look at holistically as the person and say, all right, well, there's health, but health includes emotional health, mental health, physical health, spiritual health. Like there's all these different levels of health that are included with that person. And so they have to be sound in themselves. So as we start to peel back the layers, we're asking questions to find out how this is going for them. Everything is about energy. So if we don't have enough energy to be able to go and crush it at work, be a great husband, be a great dad, and do all the things, then we're just getting by. Not enough sleep, poor mm-hmm. diet, maybe maybe a few too many drinks, or whatever the things are that we use as coping mechanisms and copious amounts of caffeine on top of that to kind of ride, <laughs> yeah. ride the roller coaster, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but we got to look at those health centers. And so, you know, as a coach, I'm just looking at check-ins and saying, all right, where where are we at? How are we really doing? And we just want to have an honest conversation. Because once we can get down to that level, then we're going to say, okay, what are the levers that we can we can pull on? You know, do we need to build in a little bit of meditation? All right, just just try three minutes. Hey, if if you know working out's really tough, then just go for a walk. Can you do a walk a day? Just five minutes. Whatever those baselines are. And some people are the other way. They might be doing iron mats and all these other things, but they don't have the time and energy to spend with the family and to be able to keep up with the business. So we are looking to the balance. And so Greg, uh, to your point, it is that balance. We're looking for the opportunity to get them more to a buoyancy point versus I'm sinking under, I'm coming back. And we look at the business the same way. We look at it as an energy center and we're looking at a health checkup on the business. How are the employees doing? How's the cash doing? What's the strategy look like? What's our planning look like? So all those check-ins really help people to identify the first levers and the biggest
0: domino that we need to push over. Yeah. And you know, that's the thing, like you're, you're running on fumes, you know, when you're going through that, like, I I felt like for a little bit, you know, my, my company could have been sponsored by, you know, coffee and Red Bull. Uh, And and that was, that was not a good thing. I want to talk about the opposite though, like just... The ability to like walk away and kind of, you know, go outside, take a break, take a vacation and what that does to you. Let's let's get into that. Uh, We'll take a short break. Uh, We'll be back with more DIY for Business. Thanks for listening and subscribing and reviewing DIY for Business. Uh, yeah, if you haven't done the review thing, we would love to have you do that. Um, <laughs> i got to tell you, Greg, the, the next time we're doing the little opening, the little talking thing there, um, I, I might even play a clip from my other show about um, <laughs> about, you know, the book The Secret? Um, right. I, do I, not I, ever- I did. I did an interview um, about the law of attraction and um, how you know, like maybe we can use this to pull in some some. Uh, uh, yeah, reviews. it's what like you put so- <laughs> out
1: to the universe comes back to you. And I'm putting out to the universe right now. I'm looking up at the skies and I see five stars. <laughs> yes, put the five stars out there into the universe. Yes, yes.
0: Um. Uh, yeah. So uh, th- uh, coincidentally, that show's coming out today. How's that for a plug? Um, cool. But anyway, <laughs> that's how I roll. So uh, right before the break, we were talking about, um, uh, you know, like uh, my company actually like I, I man, I, I don't know how I, I actually enjoyed the taste of Red Bull at the time, but I did. Um, I was, you know, staying up late because I was working in an entertainment company. So I, you know, was doing events all around the Bay Area I would go, you know, a typical weekend could be, you know, Sacramento one night, um, Monterey the next night, San Francisco the next, you know, the next night or even the day and then Oakland at night. You know, I mean, I was all over the place. Um, Lots of driving, lots of late nights. And then Monday, lots of phone calls, (laughs)
1: lots of hustling to try to get more um, sales. Well, but on top of that, Russ, you were also managing all the other acts. That Yeah, exactly. I
0: mean, at the peak, I had, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 people out like doing, you know, their thing. So I was juggling a lot. Um, And I, you know, try to stay awake, I try to stay up, I try to stay like upbeat. And that probably wasn't the best thing looking back, you know, like, I should have been able to walk away, I should have done those things. Um, because now like, as like, you know, a leader of, of, you know, people, <laughs> I tell them to do that. I tell them to walk away. I I'm using my mistake to, you know, help educate other people on why walking away is good. Now, I have my reasons that I say, but I, Matt, I'd love to hear like what you'd say to people about just you know, kind of giving them a breathing space and walking away and doing some exercise or just going off and, and, you know, whatever, taking a little vacation, taking a break, go watch a baseball game, go play some golf or pickleball, perhaps. Um, go do something fun for the day because the work's going to be there anyway. So w- how do you get people and, and convince them that that's actually a, a good thing to do?
2: Yeah, <clears throat> it's self, uh, self-induced leverage. So the ability to say, I'm going to get leverage on myself. And by doing that, I have this thing that I'm going to accomplish. And because I accomplish that, I will get this reward. That reward oftentimes can be the vacation. And so I'm a big proponent of hedonic calendaring or just calendaring time off. So you may have a, a three day weekend that you plan that happens once a month. Um, You may have a four day weekend that happens once a month, or you may take every other week. You're going to do a three day weekend that may not be possible for a lot of people in the roles that they're in because they're chief cook and bottle washer. Mm -hmm. And so it's really tough because you can't see the forest for the trees, but calendaring that time off, it starts by just an hour. If you can just get an hour a week, create that space and then hold it sacred as tight as you can, you know, don't answer your phone. Don't look at your email. Don't look at your computer, just have space to go for a walk and get away. Mm -hmm. And then you start to figure that out. So over time, it becomes two hours, four hours, and then you can get a whole day. But that requires you to basically build foundation of people and investing and trusting those people so that you can step away and have that time. Your best ideas are going to come from the ability to step away. The brilliance is in the space.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, one of your philosophies in working with your clients is, you know, how do you keep your business enjoyable? And that's just not enjoyable for the owner. Um, It's enjoyable for the staff as well. And I think I remember the story about GoPro. Um, you You know, you would wear the little camera on your head, right? And you go do some extreme stuff. And one of the things that GoPro did was every, I believe, Friday afternoon, I could be getting this wrong. They would close the business up and everybody had to go take their GoPro and just go film themselves doing something fun, something enjoyable that they would use in their social media and they would use as part of their promotions, But it kept everybody fresh. It kept everybody excited, and motivated to work there. And um, I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was just a brilliant cultural move for GoPro because it totally related to what they stood for and what their products stood for. Uh, And I think, you know, when you're working with businesses, if you can figure that out to make their culture fit, what they're trying to accomplish, what they're trying to get across to, you know, their clients, and it's enjoyable for the employees, that's the win-win that will, you know, allow people to really enjoy what they're doing and succeed.
2: Yeah, 100%. And I think people just want to be seen, heard. That's it. They just want to be seen and heard. And so if you can create space to connect with your employees and listen, just, just listen, you're going to go a long way. And so to that point with GoPro, that's one of their core values. So they, they embody their core value, which they should be hiring and firing by. And so giving that space and that autonomy to the group of people to say, go out and do this thing and then report back, it embodies that core value for that company. And so, connecting with and creating joy inside the marketplace or inside of your own company, that should be the same way you show up inside your own life personally. So that when you have it inside your company, then you can actually pitch that inside the marketplace.
1: So, when you're working with the leaders at the companies that that hire you, are you identifying what they want their culture to be and figuring out ways that, uh, you know, I don't know, just activities or uh, you know, events to you know, get that culture across so people feel it and and live it?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, culture is not a ping pong table. Um, It's not a keg. It is an embodiment of the core values. And so that company, once they really get clear on their core values of who they are and their essence and how they show up and embody everything that they do, then they can start to create around that. And so to go, the point that you have a GoPro, like they created something around that core value. Um, yes, the, the ping pong tables can be there, but then it's a part of something else because, hey, this is who we are. We celebrate, we have joy. We want to invite some fun because it, it starts to spark some brainstorming and some connection. And it just is a great way to unwind. So whatever that is for that company, we want to invite that in. Um, and it may be something completely different. They may have a book club. You know, there's all kinds of ideas. But a culture, every company has a culture. They always have a culture. It's just whether or not they're in charge of it and if they like it. You know. So that's the mm-hmm. big difference. Either the, either the company has its own culture that's completely um, away from the owner and out of control, and it's negative and not what they want, or it's in alignment, but they're not quite able to articulate it or have the linguistics for it. So that's what we help do is start to package that up and create the container so it's like, yes, this is who we are. This is what it looks like. And they're able to, to clearly speak that out to the marketplace.
0: You know, I, I've seen companies where it's completely out of alignment. Like the, 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 the documented, like, you know, whether it be the owner, whatever, uh, CEO, uh, just the, the person that's kind of setting the pace for the culture believes it's one thing, whereas the team believes it's something else. And they just they just you know they're not buying in on 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 you know what the
1: what the owners uh, <laughs> selling. Well, I got a, a follow up question to that, Russ. You know, when when you see that, do you find that the owner has a certain vision, but the management team uh, is not yeah, really yeah, yeah. aligned with the ownership, and, and that's where the disconnect happens?
0: I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I feel like I've seen it kind of both ways. Um, I mean, a, a company uh I won't give any names but <laughs> a company that i that I worked with uh briefly they really had um really three separate cultures <laughs> going on in the company there was what the managers wanted there was what the owner wanted and there was what the team actually did and it was three different really different ways of looking at everything and approaching. And what it did was it, it it made it so the company really wasn't like truly speaking in one voice, even though actually that was one of the, the company culture, you know, things that they were really trying for. Uh, It just, it just felt like such a mess. Um, And I honestly, I didn't know really what to do in that case because it was, Three separate cultures going on in the company, Matt. Matt, have you ever seen that, or or what do you do? Uh, w- you know, when you see something like that, where there's kind of this misalignment with the cultures.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> well, let me give you an example. So here's an example of uh, some core values: respect, integrity, communication, excellence. So, <clears throat> uh, who do you think those core values belong to? They're very generic, right? right? Yeah. Very generic. Enron. Mm-hmm. That's Enron's core values. Really? So there's there's a culture that didn't work, that didn't live yeah. by their core values. So to your point, yes, you have management that's completely underhanded and doing all these things, and then you have everybody else that might be, you know, everybody doing the work, but they don't understand what's happening at the top, and then all these people get completely hosed. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a horrible culture. And <laughs> and yeah. so the, like, and you could see what the difference is of here's what we say we do, here's what we actually do and a big big disparage between the two.
0: Yeah yeah that that's uh, it's not an easy thing. I, I actually you know I, I'm gonna I'll throw a follow-up question to that but uh, again, we've got to take a short break here. So uh, we will we'll do that. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll continue the conversation here with Matt. And uh, we're talking company culture. Uh, maybe while you're listening to these spots, like, what's your company culture? <laughs> your business, uh, does it actually match what you're trying to set? We're we'll right back. Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for business. It's Russ and Greg with you. I almost said, Greg, how you doing? Just cause when I say it that way, it's like, that's what I usually say. So I'm, I'm a little,
1: <laughs> a little thrown off there. You feel, feel like a Joey from friends. How you doing?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's my, it's my starting catchphrase here. <laughs> uh, so, okay. We're, we were talking culture, uh, you know, the, 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 Potential of, of different cultures within an organization. Like really like, okay, let's, I kind of want to get into like the birth of culture, like the start of this, is it just like, is it the owner of the company, like writing down a bunch of things? Is it the owner of the company? Like, you know, like this is what I, is it more of like a wish list or is it a more of here is what's happening? Like, how do you write company culture?
2: I think it's an afterthought for most companies. and I'll speak to my own experience. Um, I was just trying to make a dollar. Like I was trying to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. So, and you guys may have experienced as well as, as well as the listenership, but there are, you know, some fundamentals about business where I just wanted to make sure that I could get a product out and somebody was able to pay me for it. And then hopefully I had enough to pay all the bills and all the people and keep the lights on. And then there's a next, the next stage and that next stage is when we have maybe a little bit of visibility, but we still haven't really established those core values yet. We've heard about it. And nowadays, I think it's a very big, prominent conversation, but we start to grab some words out, like, yes, integrity. Okay, we're going to grab excellence. And yes, we are these things. But what does that mean? And so we need to put definition to that. Like, what does it truly mean to have that that vision inside those core values? And how do we embody that? What is an example of that? So um, just to give some examples of that, of what a company might say is stay hungry. You I know, mean, We found Steve Jobs would say something like this, extreme ownership, you know, Jocko speaks to this, but are you really going to do what you say you're going to do instead of using integrity? Um, so from the start, you may have like win together. All right, well, we're going to, we're going to be collaborative. We're going to have teamwork. We're going to really connect. So, It takes a little time to get that off the ground, to really understand who we are. Um, But companies start with a mission of usually what they don't want uh, from a company. So I started a print company doing marketing uh, years ago. And the whole reason for me was just to be able to deliver something with high integrity at a good price and a great product, and just to take care of my customers. That was how it started. Well, fast forward, my core values started to evolve, but it took three years before I could put pen to paper on a start at that. So I started grabbing at things in order to figure out what exactly that embodied. And it was my employees that actually helped me see some of these things. And so we would sit around in a round table and we just kind of spit all about ideas. I'm like, who are we? Well, what do we stand for? Well, what do we do? What would our customers say about us? You know, what's the mm-hmm. feedback that we're getting from them? So that's part of the process that we would go through just to kind of discover that. But it's it comes as stages, I, I believe.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really interesting that, you know, you kind of timeline, you know, it took three years to get to that point. And, you know, different businesses have different timelines. They're evolving at different paces. And you've mentioned core values a number of times in this conversation. And I'm really curious because a lot of businesses will look at core values as something they should put down in the very beginning and try to keep those core values throughout the, you know, entirety of a business. Whereas, you know, the business changes. Should core values change along the line? Or maybe should you not do core values from day one and maybe wait to have the, the company mature a little bit and kind of kind of figure out what the vibe is of the, of the business and where the business is going to go after a year when you're not just trying to keep the lights on before you do the core values, you know when when's the right time, and should you change them as you go along? Um, <clears throat>
2: I would say that they they can change. I know mine changed, but not in the sense that um, it was just the wording and the the language that was used in order to get to the end result. I may say something like integrity, as I mentioned before, but beyond that, I have something very descriptive. I have clear examples. I have feedback from my clients on what that actually means. So companies can set those up front. I I encourage them to do it, but just understand it's a loose framework because as a business owner that's just getting started, you don't have an identity yet that you've created. You have an identity as a new business owner and you're delivering this thing, but you're evolving. You're in a very infant stage and you're moving towards down the maturity ladder of learning who you are, learning how you deliver. Learning what you stand for, and starting to build into a vision, and so those kinds of things will start to evolve. So, to answer your question, um, yeah, I would say they do change, but they're more an evolution versus a change.
0: Yeah, you know, I one of my one of the first things that I sort of said as company culture for mine was, everyone's a customer, and I didn't mean that in the way of like go out and, you know, try to sell everyone. I meant it in the way that treat everybody, you know, like you would want to be treated, like we are treating a client, like every single person in the room is a potential client and everybody in the room is a client, you know, for us. And it just made us where, you know, like instead of, you know, like somebody comes up and asks you, you know oh uh you know uh, where's the restroom don't just you know point to it like actually walk them over to it you know <laughs> or or say oh yeah you know it's right over here just go out this door and you know like use those as little moments to interact as if they were the person that's paying you that that day and i felt like if we treated everybody as a client without asking them for money at some point they're going to give us money because they're going to become a client because they see That, you know, we're giving such high level of service and and such this great treatment to everyone. So that was like my first ever, ever like core value. And I remember coming up with that like really early on just out of my myself. And I just, I really pushed it on me and let everybody see that. And I did it all the time in front of everyone, no matter how tired I was or no matter how, how many events I did, you know, I'd been to that weekend. I, I did as much as I could do to really, you know, impress that prompt upon, upon people. Cause I really feel like that's, that's one of the things that, that some, you know, some problems might come out of, I mean, you've got to practice what you preach. Yeah. You've got to actually, like, if you say this is a core value, like yeah. you've got to actually do it, you know, you can't leave it up to just the person, but then also you're like, so that's the good habit, right. Of, of me, you know, treating everybody like a client, um, The, the bad habit that I had was exactly what we talked about earlier of just being that workaholic, you know? So like that got in the way of things for me, I felt like, and I felt like I really impressed that upon my team to be workaholics. And that was, that was a bad thing. So I would say, I guess the other side of, of kind of creating those habits and those, those things that you're doing and and creating this culture is you got to be careful because you might be impressing the wrong things among your team.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and to your point, one of the things that stands out is you're not two different people. And I think a lot of business owners may confuse that. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm this person at work. And then when I come home, I'm a different person. That's <laughs> right. just exhausting. So yeah. it work is hard enough. I want to be the same person, a good person and enjoy my, my career at work. And I want to come home and enjoy my career as, father and husband as well. And I don't want to have to be two different people because if I look at, you know, some of the assessments that we run, if I'm looking at a natural style versus an adapted style, I'm starting to see energetically how somebody shows up at work and how they show up naturally at home. And you can see how tired they are by just having these two separate personas they have to hold up. So...
1: You know what's funny um, about that? I'm going to take this full circle to Russ's initial story about coaching his son. It's funny because as a coach on a little league team, it's tough to coach your son the same way you coach the other players because you have to go home with your son. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, you want to be the same person, yet you do have to curb your style to your audience at times. And you know how I talk to my wife is different than how I talk to one of my managers. But I'm still the same person and, you know, I want to stay true to, you know, my core values mm-hmm. uh, as a person. But, you you know, I do think that, you know, what I've seen is the people that don't know how to communicate properly to their audience and they don't adapt, get themselves in trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's, I see, that's, um, that's big.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I see something with uh, – You know, telling employees one thing and then doing another, I see that a lot. And so, again, you being the same person at work versus at home is you being basically somebody who embodies the core values at home and at work because oftentimes they're pretty much in in full alignment. So, Mm -hmm. um, but when you tell somebody, I'm going to take a vacation, and then you don't let them take a vacation, and you're preaching about how important it is to take vacation for yourself because you you want to recharge your batteries, but it, you don't have any space or time for them to recharge their batteries. Well, that's that doesn't work. Um, so it starts to build some resentment. So we want to be able to support them in taking that time off because you get a better employee. You get mm-hmm. somebody more re, rest and recharged. You want them to be with their family and to be with you for a long time if they're the right person. We're looking for A players and we got to support them.
0: Yep. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, you know, I mean, the thing is with so much competition out there with just so difficult, like finding the right person is so difficult right now, <laughs> you know, even though like, you know, oh, they say there's this recession. I, 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 I'm looking for some people. It's very hard to find people. <laughs> you know, Like it's hard to find great people. And when you find great people, you want to make sure they're going to hang in there, you, you know, and that's, you know, obviously like, you know, compensation and all of that, but also it's making sure they're not going to burn out. You don't want to lose people because you're burning them out. And you know, you don't want to also lose their energy. Um, like I, I, I've seen that with people where, you know, like there's been difficult times or big projects or whatever, uh, you know, Greg and I have, have done some huge projects. And then afterwards, I mean, the team is shot, (laughs) you know, the productivity is like way up there. It's at 150%. And then, you know, for the next month, it's at, 60% because we're all recovering and it takes time to, you know, recoup that. And sometimes it's not equal. You know, sometimes I feel like you do these huge projects and these huge push. And then all of a sudden there's, there's nothing. I'll turn it around here to the beginning of the show and say, you know, like with, with racing, you know, if you try to, you got to pace yourself, you know, or else you're going to tire yourself out and not be able to finish the race. Uh, So it's, it's, it's tough. But yeah, it's it's something that you definitely want to do for yourself and and for your team. Uh, you know, I feel like Matt, we've like barely like scratched the surface on what we could talk about. Like this, this could be like we could just make this a huge podcast and just go on for <laughs> I don't know, 24 hours, 48 hours. If you're down, I'm down. I've got some Red Bull. Um, now nah, you know what? Let's not do it. Let's let's you're set a still good example. You're on the <laughs> Red Bull, aren't you? <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not doing that anymore. I've, I've walked away. <laughs> Uh, but Matt, if, if somebody that's listening to the show today is inspired to reach out to you, how do they do that? How do they, um, and, and you've got three different companies, so <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you sort that out as far as how they're going to reach out to you.
2: Yeah, I think the easiest thing is to just find me on Instagram. It's uh, at Matt Blanton, and um, you'll see in my link tree, um, some connections there, but we've got culture2cash.com and we've got uh, Sparalab.co. Uh, But either way, I think Instagram is probably the easiest way to reach me and learn a little bit more.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Take care, Matt. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. And uh, thank you guys for listening subscribing and reviewing DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network and Electrocast Media. You know, the subjects that we cover on the podcast are selected with the goal of helping your your business grow. I almost said podcast, but uh, I guess we can help that too. Yeah. (laughs) All of the information provided is opinion-based and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your company to succeed and we are happy to take your questions. If you've got something that you would like to learn a little bit more about, Head over to our website, DIY and you can, like, you know, suggest a show and we could build an entire episode around it and get your questions answered. Uh, we also love talking to business owners. If you'd like to join us for a future show, please do reach out to us on our website. We thank you again for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, where you are not
1: alone. Are you ready to write? Are you ready to become a published writer? Then tune in and take notes, because each week on Simply Write with Polly, we cover writing craft, the ins and outs of running a writing business, and we'll also hear from some big-name authors about how they get their work done and published, so that we can learn to do it too. Join us each week right here on the Creators Network of ElectroCast for Simply Write with Pauly.
0: Hi, I'm Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks. What did you do on your last Saturday night? It's a new scripted podcast series that starts right at the beginning of lockdown when a single mother and out-of-work writer named Gigi realizes that everything is about to change.
2: Did you hear something? Toilet paper.
0: People are hoarding it. I should have done that. The Last Saturday Night, an Electrocast podcast. You'll love it. Available
2: to stream now on all podcast platforms.